our reading for our sermon this evening from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. We read, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus, who had died, the one Jesus raised from the dead. They gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about 12 ounces of very expensive perfume, pure nard, and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was going to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He held the money box and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She intended to keep this for the day of my burial. Indeed, the poor you always have with you, but you are not always going to have me. A large crowd of the Jews learned that he was there. They came not only because Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus too, because it was on account of him that many of the Jews were leaving them and believing in Jesus. We pray. Dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Do you recall the last dinner celebration you attended? Maybe it was that event just a few Sundays ago, getting together with, with friends and neighbors to watch the big game. Maybe you had the, the, the chicken wings or nachos and the dips. It was exciting. It, it was fun. It was entertaining. Maybe, maybe, it, was, maybe it was a birthday. Yours or, or one of your children's or, or one of your grandchildren's or even a niece or a nephew. Those are always great, right? Especially if they get to pick what they want for supper. And the best is when you go to, to the nephew's birthday and you get sloppy Joe with chips. And, and then, of course, if you're like my family, you close that out with, of course, a nice big piece of DQ ice cream cake. Best way to celebrate a birthday. We do a little bit of that celebrating here at church sometimes, don't we? We just had a meal before our midweek Lenten service. After church on Sunday, we, we gather around for snacks and coffee. Maybe it was a wedding where you celebrated with the, the bride and the groom as, as they're up on that head table surrounded by friends and family. They're there to celebrate this big day, this big event. Now, when, you, when you're at these dinner celebrations, who do you want to talk to? 
Well, if, if it's somebody's birthday, you want to talk to the birthday boy or the birthday girl, right? If it's a wedding, you want to talk to the bride and groom. Jesus went to dinner celebrations. We know he did. In fact, where do we find him for his very first miracle? When he turned water into wine, he was at a wedding. Now, we don't know if there was a relationship, what the relationship was between him and the bride and groom, but we know his mom was there too. And we know that he had other times when he would, would have these different lunches and dinners. One, because he's human and he had to eat but also because we're even told that his enemies claimed he welcomes sinners and eats with them. And now we see him. A few days before, a few days before he goes into Jerusalem that final time, and we see him at another dinner celebration. One where they're celebrating his limitless power. And the one at which he's covered with that fragrant smell for his burial. Signifying, of course, his sacrifice that was to come. John takes us to this dinner celebration. During Jesus' last steps, he goes back to Bethany. Same place where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. Same place where he just raised Lazarus from the dead. Which maybe is even why they're having this celebration, right? This, this dinner. And they're having it at the house of Simon the leper. Now, we know it's Simon the leper, actually, because John's not the only gospel writer that writes about this event. In fact, we heard it in Matthew, in our Passion History. Mark also writes about this event. They're celebrating it at the house of Simon the leper, which is a little intriguing, because if Simon is there, he shouldn't have leprosy. Because according to the Jewish law and Jewish tradition, right, and the law of Moses, if he had leprosy, there was no way that Simon was still at the house. He was expected to get away. He had to quarantine. He had to isolate, right? And the only people that the, the lepers would hang with is other lepers. They would congregate a little bit. And they had to stand at a distance, unclean, unclean. And so they're here at the house of Simon the leper. And if Simon's there, which it sure seems like, then... At some point, he's been healed, which is a miracle in and of itself because at that time, leprosy often was fatal. And so here at his own house, you would think Simon would be the, the celebrity. Everybody wants to talk to him about him being healed, about going to the priest and, and showing that he is now clean. But he wasn't the big celebrity there that evening, was he? It was, of course, Jesus, the miracle worker. But, but even more than that, who else was there? Lazarus was there. Lazarus, yes, the one who died. And Jesus raised from the dead. Yeah, we just heard about that last week, didn't we? 
Ash Wednesday, we, we talked about how, how Jesus came to Bethany, waited be, until Lazarus was already in the grave for a couple of days, and then raised him, called him out, showing his power over, over sin and death. Showing his limitless power, and that's what they're there celebrating. Imagine the conversation you would want to have with Lazarus. What was it like? We don't know death, right? We, we see it, we recognize it, we feel the pain of losing someone, but we don't truly know. So, so Lazarus, tell me, tell, what, what did it feel like? What did you see? Those are the kind of conversations that would be great to have. I mean, that's why so many of the Jews came out to see him, right? This one who was once dead, who is now alive again, and they're there to celebrate his limitless power. Do we celebrate it? Do we celebrate the limitless power of our Savior Jesus? Well, pastor, we're here on a Wednesday night. Of course we're here to celebrate that. And that's good. And even if you're one who goes, even on Sunday too, wonderful, fantastic. What about when, when things aren't going as well? Do we put our trust and hope in the one who raises people from the dead? Do we put our hope and trust into the limitless power of our Savior Jesus? What about when we're struggling with the loss of a loved one? And if we're not struggling with that, you will. Or maybe you're going through that right now. Do we turn to God for peace and comfort? Do we rely on him and remember and see that is, he is the resurrection and the life? Or do we fall in into that pessimism, into that gloom and doom of loneliness and fear. It's at those times that we follow Jesus during his last steps to this dinner celebration where we get to see Jesus reclining there with Lazarus, showing again his his power, his glory as the Lord of life. And it's also there at this dinner celebration where we see the signal once again that he is our ultimate sacrifice. Going to Bethany was not unheard of for Jesus. He was friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and they were there. We're told by John, right? Lazarus was reclining with Jesus. Martha, of course, is doing the Martha thing and serving people. It's what she enjoys doing. And where's Mary? Mary, who always wants to be at the foot of Jesus, pondering, hanging on to every single one of his words. And all of a sudden we see Mary come out with this beautiful alabaster jar, with this perfume. 
pure nard. Now, I, I'm not a perfume guy, so, but again, it says very fragrant, very good. Maybe you would know better than I. It's one that is, is super expensive. We're, we're told, right, 300 denarii. We're talking about almost a year's wages is what this bottle, this jar of perfume cost. Oftentimes used for funerals and burials. And she brings it out and pours it over the head of Jesus. We're told she lets down her hair and wipes his feet. It's a very unique scene, isn't it? John. Years later, when he's writing this, he even talks about how the fragrance filled the room. But you're talking about a year's wages poured on, on this, yes, rabbi, this powerful, but th that seems like a lot, of, a lot of waste. Think about what you could do with that much money. Now, of course, Judas is going to say that, right? We're even told Judas was a thief. He was stealing from the top. He didn't care about the poor, like he said, right? Oh, you could sell it, give it to the poor, which was an important part of ministry, right? It is an important part. Even in the Old Testament, there was that expectation. But there was something special about this event. They used it, Mary used it, to prepare Jesus for what was to come. She may have gone out and purchased it special. She may have already had it for when Lazarus had died. Maybe it was a fam family heirloom that came down, but she took this valuable perfume used for burials and poured it on Jesus. She knew what Jesus was about to go do. The disciples missed his words again. And so he had to rebuke them. Leave her alone, he says. She intended to keep this for the day of my burial. Indeed, the poor you always have with you, but there are not, but you are not always going to have me. This was the very end of Jesus' ministry. He is taking his last steps. His last steps, yes, led him to this dinner celebration where they were celebrating his limitless power, but also where we see him signified once again as the sacrifice. He knew what lay ahead. And Mary was revealing that by the pouring on of this pure nard. He is the great sacrifice. He came with his limitless power to be the eternal sacrifice for our sins, carrying out God's plan fully, completely, even knowing that death is what lay ahead of him, he went to Bethany to then go on to Jerusalem, to the upper room, to the Mount of Olives, to the courtroom of the Sanhedrin, to the palace of Pilate, to the hill of Golgotha, to the tomb. He knew what lay ahead. And yet, he took step after step. And he did that for you and for me. May we continue to hold on to him, our Savior, the true sacrifice.
whose last steps, yes, led to a dinner celebration, but were revealed again that he is our Lord and Savior. Amen.